0: We knew this guy really well and tragically we didn't know he was dying of eternal illness. We weren't informed of that. They'd sort of moved out of the area and didn't know this and uh, we were quite saddened to hear that. But you know, in this conversation with her, she said this, she oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad now that he's out of his suffering. I think it's one of the greatest lies ever perpetrated. And someone who doesn't know Christ die in their sin, they're in eternal suffering. You yeah. know, and it's quite sobering. We're called, you know, we're called to use whatever resources we have available to us to find access in the hearts of those in need. This rouge manager was resourceful. His managerial skills that he exercised to work for his advantage. His motive for doing what he did was for his temporal well-being and self-preservation. Whereas we ought to be compelled by the love of God and the concerns of the people and their eternal well-being. Every one of us here are uniquely created. But to the person beside you, you are unique. You are incredibly unique. I used to, uh, we had this guy in our church years ago, uh, Pommy is a funny guy, never knew him. A great sense of humor. And because within the body of Christ, there are a few of us a little bit wacky. You know? A few of us a little bit strange. Now you probably don't have a clue what I'm talking about right now. But never would appreciate that, particularly working with me sometimes. But the thing is that, the thing is that, you know, this guy to say, mate, they're God's unique people. They're God's unique people. Because <laughs> you would buy with some of the people that you're associated with within the body of Christ. I love the diversity, you know, of each person within the body of Christ. The thing is this, you're going to reach a life or touch a life that I never will. You've got a unique way of sharing with someone that I haven't. You've got a unique gift on your life. And I guarantee that everyone in this room, because the Bible says it, so it's going to be right, has a gift on their life. Some here today are servants, got an amazing heart to serve. I look around this room, I, I look at the Darrows and the Vowels, and I'm probably, I can't name everyone here obviously, but you know, the Rosie and the Kens, just amazing servants, heart to serve. Some people here, you know, are teachers. just got this amazing gift to teach. They love reading and imparting uh, various truths. Look at Pam, she's a real teacher. That's her love and passion is teaching. You know, some people are encouragers, I love the word encouragement. You know, the prefix, the E-N is in. And to, to, to speak encouragement or to speak courage, to speak courage into someone's life who needs uplifting and encouragement. It's a beautiful gift if you're an encourager. You've got the ability to encourage people. You know, some people are givers, got this beautiful, amazing, some of us, you know, we struggle a bit getting our money out of our pockets like Sue said this morning, we we'll to stand up, you know, get the money out easier. But the thing is that, you know, some have struggled. Others have got this amazing gift—they just can't help but give, just giving, giving people a wonderful gift. Some administrators look at Dave, and uh, I love this guy. Dave's ambition life—can you tell? You know what Dave's ambition in life is? To beat Laurie Hart in a game of golf. <laughs> you know? The day is coming, mate. My back's pretty chronic lately. It's coming real soon, I reckon. The thing is, yeah. But you know, I look at Dave, and this guy's got a wonderful gift of administration. He uses that gift amazingly you know, to uh, minister in the lives of those overseas as an administrator, helping children be educated in, in other countries. This incredible missionary work. And there's, and there's Cap's uh, teaching that's happening right now through Dave. It's just a great thing. He's using this gift and it's got the potential to reach multitudes of people in our community, to encourage people out of poverty into a place of knowing how to handle their finances, to mend this bridge there that, that God can use. So others a gift, you know, given a gift of mercy. Got a heart of compassion towards people. They're the ones that will find themselves. My little wife, you know, she's in the hospitals and the nursing homes wherever she can She, I mean, she rescues lost dogs and lost cats. You know, she's just got this heart of compassion. And mate, watch out if you're treating an animal not wisely or or you know, cruel, mate, you'll get it from Chad, I will tell you. But you know, when it comes to people, she's got this incredible heart for people. Constantly thinking about people and reaching out. Her heart breaks for people. You know, And uh, it might be that you're able to tutor a struggling student with a gift of teaching, or give a neighbor some I.T. support, or bake a cake. You know, years ago I'll never forget years ago, um, we had some neighbors move in two doors from us, young couple, and didn't know anything about them. But Jet thought, she's going to bake them a cake. she baked this beautiful chocolate cake and took it down to you have got no idea what that meant to these people. These guys, we had no idea, had just bought the local bakery. <laughs> <coughs> And Dave was so touched by that cake. Every time we see Dave, he still—you know seen for a while now, but he still talks about that, that, that cake. Someone had, you know, th- 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 cared enough to bake him a homemade cake. He'd not had a homemade cake for years. <laughs> but you know, that guy was used. In actual fact, God used that man in amazing ways. He actually sowed into our church building program, you know, with his resources thousands and thousands of dollars, and we built an amazing friendship over a chocolate cake. You know, amazing stuff that God will do if we're prepared to reach out to people and love people. You know, uh, you know, I've had doors open just mowing a bit of lawn for someone. Amazing doors to preach the gospel, share the gospel, just mowing someone's lawn. You know, share a meal with someone. Take someone for a picnic. We had this couple, that's, you know, we were, well, we were young once. And uh, we we're, like, were about Neville's age, you know, 10 years ago. But the thing is... You know, <laughs> Thing is, you know, we had these, we had this older couple up from our neighbours in our street when we lived at Tormina, and uh, Jack and Dot. You know, they wouldn't be, they they're not with us now, but um, it was a sad, sad situation. They lived under the same roof for years, probably forty or fifty years, and they hardly communicated with each other. There Had been this major offence taking place in their life, but this man was going to honour his vow. Yeah, you know, to remain faithful to death, to us part. They didn't talk with each other. They didn't communicate with each other. Live separately, separate lives on the same roof. And With this opportunity to reach out, to these guys and we used to take them on picnics, and uh, some funny, funny experiences with this couple with their pic- with picnics, and um, it was a real delight. And uh, I'll never forget the time I had the opportunity to share with Jack of the need to forgive, you need to embrace God's love for his life, forgiveness for his life, and to forgive his wife, and. Uh, we parted ways, you know, hadn't seen her for a number of years and, and we sort of bumped into the dot one day, a couple of years later, and she said, I want you to know that Jack passed away last year. But, you know, I want you to know also he started going back to church before he did. And um, just a blessing, just to take someone to a picnic, to reach out to love someone, build a bridge. I think back to some hilarious times we've had, you know. But you know, so the thing is this, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder... What difference we might make as a church community if we're open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and put time aside each week out of our busy schedules to build a bridge in this way, to purposefully pray, God, I pray this week you give me a time, I would allocate time aside do do this very thing, show me someone I can share with, encourage in some way, build a bridge with, and be purposeful about that. I think so often we spread ourselves too, too wide, but we spread ourselves too thin, rather than getting God to give us one person or two people or or a family that we can reach in the life of. Maybe, you know, uh, tutor a child that's in need of education for a teacher. But but it's something we can do. I think back at some hilarious times in the past, we've had to invite someone over a meal. I'll never forget uh, this couple we had, neighbours, and John and Lynn were um, pretty dysfunctional. Uh, A lovely couple, but he was actually known as the local... um, uh, Drago, local dealer, and we lived beside these guys, and my wife had this little heart to reach out to these kids next door from this family. And, uh, and so I think they were quite relieved when Jen actually said, look, we give you a, a break and take these kids to children's church with us. And though, I think, that was a great thing. So off we went to children's church with these kids for a long, long period, probably over, well, over 12 months, probably a couple of years, and uh, one of these little girls totally excelled in children's church. She just loved it just flourished in that time. She received an award went one of those years and, and uh, she just loved the church. Um, eventually, I think jet may have taught them in Scripture too. I think, I'm not sure, but I think that might have been the case. And one day, the blue jet said, I think we should get these guys over for tea. I said, darling, you're kidding. I said, John is stoned out of his face 24 hours a day. And uh, she goes, no, we should get them over for tea. I go, all right, this is going to be exciting. Sure enough, we get them over for tea. And uh, Jack cooks his lovely meal up. And I'm in there. Well, John started the conversation. Went something like this. Mate, where do you do your shopping? I said, oh, at Franklin's. He said, mate, why not at Franklin's? Those are women, mate. They get stuck in the aisles with their trolleys. And they talk. And they talk. And they talk. And they talk. So I rammed them. I said, you what? He said, I rammed them. They kicked me out of Franklin's. He said, <laughs> mate, shopping at Woolworths. Oh, I a like, why at Woolworths? Well, that was about the conversation that I remember. And uh, very, <laughs> very enlightening. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, the amazing thing with that is, is that we met those guys up, we didn't know that they'd moved up to Tweed. And uh, we're up at Tweed the, the day that our daughter gave birth to our, our her firstborn, our little Giselle, seven years ago. And the very same day, their girl, the one that went to uh, Sunday school with Jet, was having her first child, I think it was the first child. And uh, we met them in the hospital. But the incredible thing was this, although it was a very brief time with these guys, because a lot happening obviously when two kids are giving birth to your grandkids, you know, this guy, his act was completely together. He spoke clearly. He was just so together. And he inferred that they were going to church and things were going real well. And uh, what a blessing. And I really believe that's because of the seeds that Jet sowed in that family's life all those years before. You know, I think back, some of the guys we've had around, you know, um, some really funny experiences with some of the people we've had around. We had this one guy who picked up a hitchhiker years ago, and, and mate, he came back to stay with us, and mate, he was on the nose, I'll tell you. And so Jet got me to get him in the shower, and as he was in the shower, I nicked his clothes out of the shower. And he wore my clothes. Well, he was about this tall, and I'm up here. So for about three days, he was wearing my clothes, and they rolled up, up to his elbow and up to his knees. Like, well, it would have been my knees. And, um, but just an amazing, amazing guy. That guy was actually running away from the Lord. And we we just able to pray with him, and he accepted Christ, reaccepted accepted uh, God's love for his life, and he went back on track rejoicing. So we have this We go over hours like this. I'm sure you've had many experiences yourself but to encourage you, you know, we, we're called to sow into people's lives, love people and sow their lives. You know, those, you know, we're called to, to. Uh, I, I really believe that the thing this underlying teaching that Jesus brings through this passage in Luke 16 is this, that we're called to be relevant to people, you know, I believe that's the underlying teaching that comes through here. We need to be ourselves around other people, not trying to prove ourselves, to impress them, just to be ourselves. You know, the most spiritual person is the most natural person, one who's totally comfortable and secure in who they are created to be. Okay. Some of this waking religious misconception of what sanctification and holiness are. We're called to somehow separate ourselves from people who may somehow defile or contaminate us. We're called to separate ourselves from the world, its philosophies, its principles, its practices but not those who are ensnared by it. We're called to live pure and moral lives, but to love and accept those who don't. Jesus' greatest concern wasn't that his sheep be defiled by those who he came to seek and save, but they be defiled with the yeast of the Pharisees, being contaminated with religiosity, self-righteousness, pride and hypocrisy, and in turn defile others and mis- misrepresent him. Jesus is the most holy and pure and righteous person to ever set foot on this planet. Yet he was totally approachable. He didn't compromise who he was, but he didn't judge or elevate himself above others. I love the humility of my Savior. I love that about my Savior. Instead, of he, instead he welcomed them, he received them, and treated them favorably. You know that word receive, and I'm not going to get this right, Daph, but we're going to have a shot at it. It's a Greek prostectomy, As Daph would say, something like a prospectomy. Is that right? I don't know. Some of that. It means to receive favourably, to receive to oneself, to look for, to wait for, to accept, to allow. In contrast, to reject. It implies an entertaining of hope. He looked out for them. He was patient. He was loving. He was kind. In his heart, he carried a hope, a positive and eager expectation, anticipation of good for them, a hope that they would receive him just as he received and welcomed them, just as he did you and I and still does this very day. We you remind ourselves and never, 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 never forget, never forget that there is no substitute for the gospel message. It's by this gospel that we're saved. You know, it's vital we build bridges of love, but ultimately it comes down to having the opportunity to share the gospel. We 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 need to remind ourselves: the gospel is the good news. It's not bad news. It's not turn or burn, repent or perish. That's not that. It's actually good news. Okay, it's about loving people and uh, and reaching out to people with a heart of compassion. It's um, it's you know, the gospel, and I probably won't get this right either. You know, the word gospel, Neville could probably say it better than Greek than I can. It's uh, Eve. Yeah, you're supposed to express, it. You're, you're supposed to express evangelio or something like that. Yeah, Greeks do this stuff. <laughs> know, evangelio, something like that, <laughs> something like that. It yeah, almost sounds like a swear word, doesn't it? But the thing is, it's not. You know, it actually brings good tidings, good news. We've got the good news to share. We've got this incredible hope that we have the good news. You know, The thing is, that we get the word evangelize or evangelist from this very word. Now, not, a, not all of us here are evangelists. If you're an evangelist, you should be encouraging and equipping the body for works of service in the sense you're called to equip and train people up to evangelize. That's what your role is, you know. But the thing is, we are all called to reach out and evangelize. It's vital we build caring bridges, but it's imperative that we share the hope that we have as those who place our faith in the risen Savior, our risen and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. Our Lord Jesus, who loved us so incredibly much, that he gave his very life as a living sacrifice on our behalf. We might know his forgiveness. What is to be reconciled to him? What, what is to know his plan and purpose for our lives? He gives us incredible purpose. He gives us an amazing fulfillment. You know, I love my Savior because, you know, I've been up, bit up and down lately. And uh, I love the fact that he's the constant in my life. When I've been down, He's constant. Well, I'm out of sorts, he never is, you know. When I'm not, if smart, he always is. He's the most amazing God, you know. The thing is this, we have this incredible ability to share a, 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 just a few words of hope. It's called the gospel. You know, we've got this ability to share this incredible truth of God's love towards people. We don't have a philosophy to share, you know. We don't have this Confucius says stuff, or some New Age weird thing. We've got this incredible thing called the gospel, and when we share the gospel in faith, if we're prepared to reach out and share the gospel in faith, God anoints that, and just that simple message will transform the heart of someone and totally change their life. It's an amazing thing. It's a miracle. It's an amazing miracle. You know, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It brings one from death and eternal separation from God unto life and eternal relationship with Him. From being estranged from Him to being in intimate relationship with Him. From hopelessness to having a living hope for today, tomorrow and for all of eternity. From living in unrighteousness being made righteous through faith. From being under the power of Satan to know what it is know the power of God at work in our lives. From separation through sin to restoration and forgiveness from sin. You know, I'm firmly convinced if we truly, truly love people, our greatest desire should be that we saved. Lost people are lost. Lost people need a saviour, and we are those who is appointed to represent him. Paul sets the example to us all when he writes in Romans one14 to 17. And thanks, Roger, for doing those over here, too, mate. I'm obligated, to both Greeks and non Greeks, both the wise and the foolish. That's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. He wasn't afraid of people. He was afraid for people. Okay. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 Bend your heart, set apart, Christ's Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. You know, I really believe that we should be praying for opportunities. A couple of weeks ago, in a links group, you know, Phil put out there before we left that we uh, pray that God will give us opportunity. I sincerely believe that a lot of time we don't do that if we we don't have because we ask not. Okay, we, if we're looking for opportunity, God will give us the opportunity. So pray God would do that. You know, that, that uh, following weekend, we, actually last week, we met together. And uh, it was amazing how many people had the, had the opportunity in that two-week period to share the hope they had, share the clear gospel. You know, I had the incredible opportunity with a number of people and uh, amazing stuff. And, and uh, you know, I just encourage you, when you share the gospel, it's a great way to go about it if you just share your testimony. How after hearing that Jesus Christ, God's Son, gave his life here on that cross, and you embrace him as your Lord and Saviour, put your faith and trust in him, he totally turned your life around. You know, just always share though, get back to Christ and what was done for you when you're sharing in that way. It's vital we have a revelation of what Jesus imparted in Luke fifteen. The passages passage Kara read out before. If we be effective in reaching to the, reaching out the lost, a revelation of the Father's heart that He came to reveal. Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father, and I believe this passage, Luke 15, is my, my favorite of all passages. There's so much in it. We share ours on this passage, but you know, um, I just love this this, this scripture because it's the, the scripture for me that reveals the heart of our loving Father to mankind. What was the reason Jesus taught Luke 15? What was his purpose? Why, what was his motivation? You can tell me very quickly. Why, what was he sharing this in response to? Okay. You probably all know, but you're scared, scared to... Scared to Nev knows. Why am why, I not surprised? Okay. He was sharing in response to these people who were so offended by him for eating and, 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 and fellowshipping with tax collectors and sinners. They were so offended by him. I mean, he was was associating with the low lives, the untouchables. Didn't he know who he was fellowshipping with? Didn't he know who he was eating with? Surely, if this man was a holy man, he'd know that these people are untouchable. These are beyond salvation. I mean, they were so, so full on. They so judged him for that. So in response, he teaches this parable. Okay? It's in response to their reaction. I'm so glad. I'm so glad these guys were so offended. Otherwise, you wouldn't have this passage here. And I think it's the most amazing passage. These who were offended by him were devoid of an appreciation of the Father's heart. Their outward behavior was reflective of the concept of God that they held with their own hearts. They saw God as one who was judgmental, as condemning, as angry, and unkind. One you had to work or slave for to win the approval of. When we as the children allow offense to rule our hearts, we close the door on Christ's life in us. We'll be like these Pharisees. We'll fail to impart a, a true God concept. You know, you'll never ever win another soul. We'll never ever build a bridge of love if you allow offense to rule your heart. So important, isn't it? We keep short accounts. You know, I think over years, because I'm a bit, uh, always a bit, uh, what, John, if John was here, he would say I'm a bit huffy. A bit huffy at times. Nice way of putting it. Well, Simon, he's hit me in action in the golf course. I haven't proved the last 12 you know, He's rubbing off of me. You know, when Simon hits a bad ball, which is not, not, not that often, he always laughs. I always get so convicted when I don't laugh, you see. <laughs> it's an amazing experience to be playing golf with Simon. Isn't it, Dave? <laughs> but, you know, you know, I, I've been a bit huffy over the years, still a bit huffy. Um... Jack goes, more than happy, But nevertheless, you know, and there's been many times I've had to humble myself and get something right with someone I've been happy towards. You know, I'll never forget working as a young guy in the hospital years ago and uh, we had this boss who wasn't the nicest guy to work for. Man, that was my training ground, I tell you. This boss was an ex-submarine engineer, a pommy guy. He didn't know how to say, thank you, would you please, well done, or that was good. He would run the guys down... In the, in the workshop, behind their backs most of the time. He'd give everyone heaps. He'd give his own family heaps. He wasn't a nice guy to deal with. And I get pretty, pretty huffy with this guy. I don't know what happened this particular day. I'll never forget. He was dressing me down in front of the other guys. Something I'd responded to him, yeah, unkindly over. And he starts dressing me down. I look up the clock. Four o'clock time to leave. I'm out of here. I just walked out. leave him go on his little rant and rave. I go, yeah, that fixed him. So I'm outside and so it's just walking home. And God says, you blew that, Laurie. <laughs> but God, but, no, you blew that. So I knew the very next day I had to go back and apologize to him. I wasn't apologizing for the unjust, injustice, but my attitude. I did that several times that guy, very humbling experience to go back to someone and say, please forgive me for my attitude. And uh, I believe that was the very thing that won that guy's heart over. His whole attitude changed. You know, I walk in the workshop, this guy... Be quiet. Don't tell you dirty jokes. Laurie's here. This amazing respect. And, uh, and uh, it's only by the grace of God, obviously, that happens. But when we blow it with someone, I encourage you don't prolong the agony. God will win. He will win. And it's really good that we respond quickly and make him Lord and say, okay, going to get that right. And so I uh, encourage you in that way. But you know, when we judge others, we'll close the life of Christ, the door in Christ's life, in their life. And we'll bring a wall up between ourselves and them. And we're just quite pharisaical. You know, it's so easy to look at offensive outward behavior and fail to see a person who is desperately in need of knowing the Savior and forget there's a Savior who's desperately desires for them to know Him. You know, Ben and Al, our son and daughter-in-law, are in New York for about the last two and a half years. I told Ben the other day and the elections are coming up in the States. We all hear about this stuff and Ben is so, so upset he said, Dad, he said, I can't believe that people call themselves Christians over here. They align themselves with people who are so lacking in compassion in these political parties. He's just blown away with American politics. He hates it. And uh, you know, and you probably have seen this the, the guys over the years waving their banners outside so like abortion clinics and putting big signs up and condemning people and judging people. I tell you, that's not God's heart. Of course, he doesn't condone abortion. But I tell you what, the people in those clinics, mate. Those women, they're hurting people. They're confused people. They're broken people. They're people condemning themselves. They don't want to go through this stuff. Who would want to wish that anyway? And rather than being with a big band, they should be there with hankies. They should be weeping for these people. They have to be broken for these people. And, uh, and loving them and encouraging them and say, look, there's a better way. We'll support you through this time of pregnancy. We'll be there to reach out to you and help you. Yeah, we don't judge people and condemn people. You know? Yeah. Remember, Jesus challenges us that we're called to impact people, not to react toward people, to look out for and receive them favorably, to be accepting of them in the hope that just as we receive them, they might themselves receive and be reconciled to our God and Father, whose heart beats for them as 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 he does for us. Our Father who sent his precious Son, give his life a ransom for all. Jesus always looks past outward behavior and sees what lies within the heart. And what was true of that tax collector and sinner was true also of that Pharisee. Both needed a revelation of the Father heart of God. Both sons were devoid of that revelation. Both were just as much in need that salvation. I love the fact that, you know, this older brother, who Jesus depicts in the teaching regards the lost coin, you know, this guy who looks all shining outside. You know, he's got great value, great worth, but he's a heart of stone, a heart that's so cold, a heart that's so lifeless, you know, the same one that, that, that judges and condemns the younger needs a revelation of the Father heart of God, this guy who thought he was so together, this person who worked for approval, who slaved for approval, the older brother who looked down at others and, and, and uh, valued them by what they did and not for who they were. These Pharisees and teachers of the law who were students of the word, the theologians of the day, yet their theology was devoid of the revelation of the heart of God, they were convinced they represented. They thought they're representing God. Man, we're doing a good job here. You know. And, uh, and the tragic thing is they had no appreciation of God's heart. We had a revelation of the heart of love and mercy. We read the scriptures. We had a revelation of grace and truth. Those scriptures are just a book of rules. They're just a book of law. What are some of the, some of the qualities... That uh, that were brought out in that passage that Carl read for us. Can you think of a few qualities that uh, that regards our Saviour and the Father He come to reveal? What some of the qualities that, that uh, were brought out in that passage? Or I brought that passage. You can tell me one or two. Grace, God's incredible grace, His transforming grace. Another one, forgiveness. forgiveness. Who said that, Carol? Forgiveness. forgiveness. Okay, His heart of forgiveness. Who's that towards, by the way? Us, we were all these guys. We were like these lost sheep, man. We'd gone astray. His heart of forgiveness, his heart of forgiveness towards us. Another quality, love. His love, his unconditioned love. You know, the love that would send his son to the cross and die on behalf of us. That's the love. We never need to doubt God's love. We look at the cross and his love is outpoured for us on that cross. His kindness, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. His mercy that transforms the human heart. Desire for restoration and reconciliation. His generosity. He's a generous God. He's patient. He was so patient with his sons. You know, he's full of wisdom. He has a desperation and a love for lost people from all walks of life, for both the unrighteous and the self-righteous. This is the father that goes out and pleads with his self-righteous rat bag. Pleads with him to come in. Come into the home. All I have is yours. You're going to slave for it and try and earn what's yours by faith. God didn't know the father's heart. He's a desperation for people. But when the younger son comes to his senses, he came to repent and appreciation of his father's heart of love and mercy and kindness and compassion. This concept was dramatically changed forever. This young man who deserved everything bad instead said received everything good. That's grace, isn't it? It was this revelation that would transform him from one who took his father and his father's household and for other people for granted. From selfishness, his heart transformed from selfishness and self-centeredness to gratitude and devotion. From carnality to godliness, to one who would serve in the Father's house at a revelation of love and mercy. Totally assured and secure in the Father's love. This was you and me. This is you and me. This is God's amazing grace. His precious Son giving His very life as a ransom <coughs> sorry, to rescue us from our lost state. This is the heart of the Father who sent His Son to reveal His heart to all. This is His heart towards you and towards me. The Saviour gave His very life to restore us. Do you see yourself today as having immeasurable value, immeasurable worth? Do you appreciate the huge potential that lies within you? Are you secure in God's love? I just, I just so encourage you. Just pray for a revelation of His love towards you. Because it comes by way of revelation. It's not something you read about. We can read it. Jesus loves me this, I know. What the Bible tells me so. We can recite that over and over and over and over and over. But the thing is, until we get the revelation, it sits within our heart. God, bring a revelation of your heart to my heart. A revelation of who you are, what you've done, your heart of compassion, your heart of kindness. You know, bring that home to my heart. From your heart to my heart, that I might part your heart to the hearts of those that need you. <clears throat> the way we perceive God as being he determines and flavors all that we do the way we perceive him as being will be the God that we impart to all whom we influence and every one of us in this room has someone that we influence every one of us it's vital that we have the right concept of God if we effectively to effectively lead others to Christ you know I don't believe I don't believe it's going to be receiving a crown and a robe at the pearly gates that will be our greatest reward I don't believe as we walk through those gates I don't know if we're going to walk through some gates or not Sounds good, doesn't it? But you now, how we arrive, I'm not quite sure. If we're going to get there if you know Jesus. <clears throat> you know, I don't believe he's going to be gazing on golden streets or green pastures or where's uh, Paul, our, one of our servers, Nev? Sharkless crystal seas. Mate, mate, imagine that. Perfect waves, but crystal. Mate, sliding in those crystal clear waves, man. No sharks. Or if they are sharks, they actually want to play with you like a dolphin. Okay. <laughs> I don't believe for a second that's what it's going to be like. You know, the greatest reward won't be receiving a crown or a robe. It won't be even caught up in rapturous worship. It's going to be being greeted by people we've influenced for Christ in this life. Knowing full well, whatever we've done for the least of these, we've done unto our loving Saviour. You know, what an amazing thing. There's some people I'm really looking forward to seeing when I find my way into heaven. You know, I'm really looking forward to seeing some people. And, uh, yeah. Praise God. Ready, Paul? Father, we thank you, God, for your, your amazing grace towards us. We thank you for your love, God, toward us. We thank you, Father, that that you would just impart to our hearts a revelation of your very heart of love and compassion, a heart that just reaches out to the lost people God, a heart that breaks for lost people, a heart that's so, so on fire for lost people, that you place your heart with our hearts, God, Father God, that the things of this world will not stand between us and people that you send us out to reach out to, to love and build bridges of love with, Lord God. Father, give us all the opportunity, I pray, to share our faith, to build a bridge, to serve someone in our community. That we might have the incredible hope, the opportunity of sharing the gospel message in Jesus' name.
1: Isn't God good? Is God good? God's really, 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 really good. And I had a sense that this morning that God wants to lift some stuff off some people, that God wants to set some people free, and that God wants to breathe on you brand new, brand fresh, new. You know, Laurie can't help but talk about how good his God is. How gracious His God is. How amazing His God is. How incredible this God is. That would see us, us broken, fallen, hurting people. And would send His glorious, beautiful, perfect Son for us. And I just sense that this morning that there's some people in here and you've been hitting yourself for a long time. You've been whipping yourself over some mistakes that you've made and you keep just negative thinking about yourself. And I just sense this morning that Jesus wants you to let go of that whip, to stop flogging yourself for your mistakes and to look to him and know what grace is is that he took the whip for you. You know, there's nothing left to be whipped. There's no more whipping to be done on you. There's no more that you actually need. There's no punishment that you need for your life. I just sensed this morning that there's real need in here. All different sorts of needs. And I think it's time for us to bring those needs to Jesus. Whatever needs you have, whatever hurts you carry, it's time to bring those to Jesus. The Bible says that God is able to meet every need in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? Every need He is able to meet in Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus is enough for your need would you be willing to reach out to Jesus this morning? Would you be willing to be humble and to bring yourself before him this morning and to cry out and to reach out for Jesus to meet you in your need? You know, we don't get into heaven by being brave and and walking and living a perfect life because no one can do it. No, we we walk into heaven. We walk in this life with the hope of eternal life through the grace of Jesus that He does it for us, that He is everything for us. And if you're here this morning and you, you don't know where you are in life, you don't know what you've done with your life, and you're feeling broken, you're feeling desperate, you're feeling dead, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus and invite Jesus into your life. You know, because sin has had its way in all of our lives. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That actually brings death into our spirit. But the Bible also says that the free gift of God is eternal life. Amen. And this morning, if you're in that place and you have never received Jesus into your life, you want a brand new start, you want a relationship with God, you want to be brought to life. You don't have to live with what you're carrying right now. You don't have to live with the the desperate, you know, situation you have. You can live with Jesus in your life. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand. If you'll just stand. you know you're in a position where you've never come to God and you want to this morning. You want this morning, this morning for a brand new start. And you know that you need to get your life right with God. The Bible says that those who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. We don't have to be strong. We don't have to be proud. We can just call on the name of Jesus. And if there's anyone here in that position this morning and you know you need Jesus, you need forgiveness and you want a brand new start. You want to invite him into your life. You want to receive his grace. You want to receive his love. I'm just going to ask you right now, if that's you, will you raise your hand? If that's you here this morning, will you raise your hand? If you've never invited him into your life and you want to this morning, you want a brand new start. Just by every eye is closed. That's you this morning. Will you raise your hand? All right. Now, I still sense that there's a lot of people with a lot of need in here. And I just feel the Holy Spirit saying this morning, come on, get desperate and reach out for what you want. Don't run away from God. Don't run away from Jesus. Don't even hang around and just wait but actually run to him and start to ask him for it this morning. Tell him what's hurting you. Tell him what's causing you pain and run to him and say, I need this, I need this, I need this, Jesus. And if that is you here this morning, as we go into worship, I want to encourage you, will you do something? Why don't you this morning run back to the Father? Run, get out of the pigsty and run to the Father run home. What did he do? He threw his arms around him. He will meet you at your point of need. He won't leave you. He won't let you fall flat on your face. He won't be rebuke. He won't be harsh on you. He will run to you and he'll give you what you need.